What's up, y'all? It's Will. I had a really good time this week with Jeff Mickle. Jeff is uh, one of the owners at Whiskey Kitchen in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, well, first of all, their name says it all. Whiskey Kitchen. They've got a great, great whiskey program. Hundreds and hundreds of types of whiskeys from all over the world. And their food is fantastic. Now, I got to tell you, we got done with the interview I was hungry. I went up to the bar, got the menu, and the first thing I, I saw on the appetizer list was boiled peanuts, and I knew I was in heaven. If, you have, if you've never had boiled peanuts, with if, if you're not from, <laughs> I don't know if they're around the southeast. Typically, you know, you normally find them um, specifically on the on the coast of North and South Carolina. But I grew up eating boiled peanuts. When I saw them on the menu, I just before I even saw anything else, I said, "I want those," <laughs> and then. Uh, then for my meal, I ate this incredible cornbread and this local sausage. It was great. So Whiskey Kitchen is doing it right. They have a phenomenal 6,000 square foot space. It's huge. Um, and although I think 3,000 upstairs, 3,000 downstairs, they're subleasing downstairs. I'll, I'll, Jeff talks about that in the interview. But this place is an old, um, well, it's like a 100-year-old building. It's got huge windows and garage doors. It was a tire plant originally, and it is just badass place. Great lighting, great ambience, incredible design. And then you've got this team of people that are really cool. I talked to the bartender for a long time, young guy, entrepreneurial stuff. He's making um, customized chef coats on the side, and he showed me some. They're really awesome. And in fact, I'll stick some pictures of those on our Instagram uh, post for this for this episode. And then you got Jeff. Jeff's been in the business for nearly 20 years, worked about 15 years for Flying Saucer. Just a, just a great guy, smart guy, knows the business, loves the business, has been very successful in the business. And we talked about all kinds of stuff for, we talked for about an hour and then we started sipping on some whiskey. So we talked about the restaurant business around an hour and then we talked about whiskey for about 20 minutes. That's on the back end of this episode. Um, you're going to really enjoy this. There's a lot of really good advice in here. There's also a really tough story about uh, his partner, Michael Thor, who not many months from when they were going to open, uh, got in a really bad motorcycle accident and is quadriplegic. But we got into that and just all kinds of stuff. Great interview, great guy, great place, great food, great time. Y'all enjoy. All right, we are live. Uh, hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will with Schedule Fly, and I'm stoked, man. I am sitting in Raleigh, North Carolina right now at Whiskey Kitchen uh, with Jeff Mickle, uh, one of the owners here. And this place has an amazing story. It also has just an amazing atmosphere. I've never, uh, I've never been here, so it's a really impressive when you walk in this place, as I was telling you, Jeff. Um, and I've heard many, many great things about y'all uh, from a lot of friends and, and your, your colleagues here in the industry. So uh, congrats on, it's been, what, three years now? That That's y'all, right. Y'all That's been right. Doing yeah, three years. Thank you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for taking the time. And as I was you know, just saying, we'll kind of get into the backstory uh, about Whiskey Kitchen. Y'all, had, y'all have a very, as my, one of my friends told me last night, those guys have a really amazing story so get them to you know talk about the story so yeah um you were at you were a gm at uh flying saucer here for 
15 years. I was with the company for 15 years. Yeah, I was the general manager for, um, for 12 years. The, the, 12 years yeah. there. And then you and Michael Thor came up with this concept. That's right. Yeah, he, um, he was, um, his wife um, was working as a server for me at Flying Saucer, and that's how I, I knew okay. Mike. Um, and we had known each other for uh, many years six seven years and um and we're friends and and um but never really talked business he he was doing um catering with poshnosh um he oh, was okay. their um their lead over there and um when um you know we were out one night and we were chatting and decided well we might make a good team um i know the operation side and you know I was somewhat familiar with the kitchen but he was uh you know a great chef yeah um and so we just started chatting about possibilities and uh one thing led to another in the conversation and it started to get real so we um when was this this was um i'd say uh, late 2013 okay and um yeah so we spent the next six eight months um you know writing a business plan and um deciding on exactly what we wanted to do and how we wanted to be as a company and um, the things we wanted to accomplish. And, um, and yeah, we just, we took it step by step. Um, and we, uh, we were able to get some investors, uh, friends and family um, uh, together and created uh, Whiskey Kitchen. Okay, so let's, I wanna ask you some things about the business plan. Had you written a business plan before? No, never. How, what did you like? How did you go about going from not having written one to creating one for this? Well, the business? internet is an amazing thing, yeah. you know. Uh, basically, uh, you know, I just uh, googled it and uh, did my research, awesome. and um, you know, I found a, a good software that uh, helped to guide, uh, you know, writing. Oh, a plan. that's cool. Do you remember what software it was? Yeah, it's uh, called Live Plan. Okay. Um, I, I'm is it restaurant sure. specific or is it? No, it's no. it's um, it's for any business really. And at at a certain point with 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 their with that as a tool, um, you know, I kind of took it on on my own, and you know, we really made the business plan our own it wasn't exactly a you know off the shelf kind of yeah thing so right okay um so yeah we we created the plan um and it was you know um the projections and all the things seemed to seem to work for for folks and um so we were able to raise some money and start looking for a location friends and family you said friends and family yeah okay um how did you structure that? You don't have to get into the dollars, but in terms of the structure of debt versus equity and how that works. So, and everyone that put in money is a member of our our company. Okay. Got so, it. Um, so they're all in investors, and they'll be owners of the company. Um, okay. You know, as long as we, as long as we continue. Did you did you have any reticence about friends and family in terms of mixing? personal and business and if if things went awry what may i mean did y'all sure well you we, and, and mike and, and your friends and family talk about that kind of stuff yeah we were um um we were very careful i, I think um you know the, the first thing mike and i did when when we got together to, to create the business was you know we visited an attorney and uh you know made sure that we were doing things the right way um and then as we brought okay. in investors yeah. we um uh you know spent a lot of time working on a good operating agreement so that everyone was um, on the same page and that we all knew what our goals were and 
what we wanted to accomplish and what would happen if you know things went awry uh, yeah. so that was all planned and, and that's what I think is a, has been a, a part of our success you set the foundation right good and this I really like this stuff because you this is things that get missed sometimes in the rush to try to get something done or but you had you yeah. took your time like who was your attorney um, John Schmankowitz was our uh, attorney initially um, okay. and um, we um, after we got everyone together we kind of realized that we needed a, a, a larger firm to, yeah. to handle our stuff so we went with Cody Lockridge okay uh, and he's been our attorney since hospitality focused or just business uh, focused? business focused yeah okay yeah. okay all right so okay that sounds like really good good advice for somebody that's first time getting into this it sounds like you, yeah that helped you lay the foundation and set the expectations and get everything that could be things that could bite you down the road kind of ironed out early on yeah yeah we we did our best to try and avoid uh you know some of the problems that i had heard about with mm-hmm. other you know restaurants and okay and people um, and so um so yeah we 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 you know got some investment money and started looking for a location and we're uh pretty disappointed actually with the um with the what was available in, in town we knew that we um um we wanted somewhere uh that sat you know a good amount of people 50 to 60 um some outside space and we kind of wanted an older building uh here in downtown um one that had a little character to it some charm um and we were kind of disappointed with what uh what we were being uh shown and and that that is until um this building that we're in now uh became available okay uh right around the same time so we were real lucky um what was this building so uh, the building originally was built in uh the 1920s um as a firestone tire shop Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, that would. Okay. Yeah. So the explains you know, the garage doors. Yeah. And the, big bay doors. Yeah. And, um, Tons of windows, man. The lighting here is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's real incredible. And 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 when we saw the building, uh, we knew immediately that we we wanted it. Um, and what was here important. immediately prior? Immediately prior was um, uh, offices for the contractors that built the um, justice center across the street from okay. us here. Oh, and so they so, were done? Yeah, they were here in the building for uh, three years while the, while the justice center was being built. And so they had uh, this, the, the entire main floor was uh, office spaces and, um, you know, they had a, an old drop ceiling and, um, you know, much of the, the character of the building was covered up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we knew that uh, once we kind of tore all that stuff out, that yeah. we'd be left with a really great shell. Um, and and that's what that's what we did. We, um, we you know, once we, um, you know, made arrangements with the owner and, you know, got a lease signed, we went to town and started uh, ripping stuff out. Um, Mike and I were in here every night, you know, late, just sledgehammers and yeah you know yeah so it was maybe a little whiskey too what did <laughs> maybe yeah it would this is i'm assuming this is a bigger space than you had initially envisioned yeah it's it's a larger space than what we wanted uh, how many square feet are we well we've got uh six thousand square feet uh here on the main floor uh, which we occupy and yeah. then there is a full footprint basement below us 
That's 6,000 square feet. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. What's down there? So downstairs uh, is um, uh, an artist's cafe called Emerge. And it's the uh, concept of my partner, uh, Mike Thor's father, uh, Carl Thor. Um, he, lease, he subleases that space from us to do his uh, dream of having an artist's um, gathering spot. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a really incredible concept. They, they, they're doing a great job down there, and we're, we're happy that you know, the, the whole building is kind of all in the family. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Okay, so you, you find in this space is across from a park. What is that, Nash? Is Nash that, Square, yeah. Okay. Nash Square, beautiful Nash Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right here on this corner. It's a phenomenal location. Okay. Yeah, we were very lucky to very lucky to, to move in here. So you guys are in here docking stuff down and doing doing whatever you could yourselves. Exactly. This is in 14? This is in 2015, yeah, late 2014, 2015. Okay. Um, and so we were, um, we were doing the – basic demolition stuff while um, the architects were putting together the you know, plan and as, as we were working with them and um, trying to figure out how we wanted to lay the space out and what we wanted from it, um, which you know, we found was, you know, it was new to us. This is our first restaurant. We, you know, um, we hadn't done that before and so it was really exciting. Um, but um, you know, that took a, a, a long time of course. Uh, a lot longer than we had we thought it would, but um, once once that was done and we got a contractor in here, uh, you know they went to town and we ran into uh, we ran into a, a number of uh, you know problems with construction when you're dealing with an old building like this. Um, it's inevitable, yeah. Um, you know, just surprises when you unearth things and that take more time force it to take more time and maybe more money oh yeah yeah a <laughs> lot, lot more time a lot more money okay. um you know just anything from you know we didn't realize during our inspections that we we're going to need a new roof or that oh really the floor needs reinforcement or you know um the the sewer isn't where they thought it was is there any way i mean in hindsight like is there any way you could have known some of these things like i always want like or is that just kind of what happens? Because it seems like that it just happens a lot. With yeah, I I, I would love to say that uh, you know I, I've learned all the lessons and you but know, you kind of can't though really when you're looking yeah, you don't know that. I, I think you, with an old building like this, it's that's yeah. real tough. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, I certainly did learn some lessons to uh, you know avoid going forward. One of them was you know the the, uh, the architecture uh, design process. Um, we rushed that a little bit. Okay. Um, we kind of pressed because, you know, we were paying rent and burning you money. wanted to open, yeah. We needed to get the place opened. And so I think had we taken our time a little bit more with um, with the architects and the designers, uh, we, we may have been able to avoid some of the, um, you know, hurdles that we we ran into in the middle of construction. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we, we had some delays with construction um, and... Uh, we had, we were about um, we were about a quarter of the way into construction um, when uh, my partner Mike uh, had a motorcycle accident and was sidelined, which kind of took the wind out of uh, wind out of the sail for for a bit. Where where was he when this happened? 
Uh, so he was uh, on his way home, um, and um, a vehicle uh, moved into his lane and uh, didn't see him, apparently, and he went into a um, utility pole. And he, um, he had a spinal injury, spinal cord injury, that has left him uh, quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. So he's, um, he is, uh, immediately went to, um, um, uh, well, he was treated initially at Wake Med um, and was in intensive care there. And it was a you know, really emotional, scary thing for, for everyone, of course. Um, mm. But his family decided that uh, the best place for him to recover and uh, w- would be down in Atlanta at the Shepherd Center there, which is one of the best spinal cord uh, rehab the Shepherd places. Center, okay. Yeah. So they moved there. So they moved to Atlanta, okay. um, and he got working real hard on his recovery um, and was pretty focused on that. So, um, yeah, you know, as you, as for you can sure. imagine. You, absolutely. Um, and, and he still is. Um, to be to be clear, but um, uh, so he he was down there. His whole family went down there, and um, you know, uh, luckily for 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 Whiskey Kitchen, uh, we had made uh, most of the big decisions on how we wanted uh, to do things and how the, how how the things yeah. were done. So I was uh, I was able to you know um, kind of just carry the torch and keep it going. Did you? Did you have? A moment or a period of time where you're like, I don't know if I can do this, or did did you feel like, yeah, you yeah, owed it the, to, like what? Would, just curious, your mind. I can't imagine. Yeah, there was definitely, um, definitely many times where you know I was, uh, you know, I really, really could have used, uh, you know, my partner there to help, you know, yeah. make tough decisions that, you know, uh, you kind of want. To have someone there with, you know, give, give you some validation or to well, know, yeah. reassure you or, or give you, you know, give you a, a, an argument over something that you might want to push do. back. Yeah. On, yeah, sure. Exactly. I mean, this was y'all saying not you. So you're now it's yeah. you. I mean, he's, yeah. Sure he, so he was um, it was it was just me at the time. And, and I, I really was just it was a matter of managing the construction and managing all the, the problems that, wow. that we ran into there. And okay. then. Um, you know, just picking, picking, picking out furniture and, you know, uniforms and stuff like that. It, so it was all, like I said, we had decided on most of the big stuff um, before did, his accident. Was he, did y'all still communicate or, or was he just kind of down there yeah. focused on for, for the first, his? For the first uh, two or three months, um, we weren't in regular communication. Yeah, he, he I would imagine. Wasn't, he wasn't able. Yeah. Um, uh, but after after a few months, he um, uh, was real interested in getting back into things and getting you know uh, getting up to speed on what we were doing and how the yeah. process was going. And so, yeah, um, we stayed in regular communication, and you know, thank goodness for you know FaceTime and video yeah. chats and all that. So you know, we could I could walk him around the construction site and show him what we were doing. And, you know, uh, we could communicate pretty well. So. I mean, it seems like that was probably, I would imagine that would have been, I mean, there's just so many emotional and psychological issues outside of the physical stuff he was dealing with. Was that a little therapeutic for him to see this dream start to come to fruition still and that you were? Yeah, I, I would imagine so. I don't, I, we haven't talked about that uh, exactly, yeah. but I, I could imagine that, yeah. uh, you know, given. Uh, wow. 
giving him something to think about other than, you know, maybe the problems that he was, yeah, he was having yeah. otherwise. He's seeing this badass place y'all had I mean, coming together. That's freaking cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. So then you continue through the process, and when, when did y'all open in 15? So, well, with, uh, his accident was in late uh, 2015, was, was in November 2015, okay. and um, we opened in uh, August of 2016. Oh, of 2016, okay. Oh, right. God, it's 2019, that's three years. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a year behind. Okay. Flies. Gosh, okay. So, oh, so literally three years ago this month. Yeah, yeah, we just celebrated our third anniversary. Dude, congrats. Yes, thank you. That's thank awesome. You. Yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah. No small feat for getting through three years in, in this line of business. Is that's what they say. You know, uh, that's, the, that's the rule of thumb. If you can survive three years, your chances of surviving the long term are good. So sure. We're, we're hoping that that's true. Absolutely, absolutely. Whiskey Kitchen. Now, it says it. Which you got whiskey you know, <laughs> and you have food and you marry these two. I which love which is very intentional. There, um, that, oh, that was one of Mike's it. things. He said, "You know, I I just really want our name to uh, kind of spell out exactly what we do." Yes. And so we we kept it simple. Nailed it. Yeah. Wes and I um, used to years ago. We always would talk about like we both like whiskey and ribs mm-hmm. and. Uh, there's this widespread panic song called Ribs and Whiskey. We're like, man, if we ever open a restaurant, we're going to call it Ribs and Whiskey. That's all we're going to serve. <laughs> like, if you don't like ribs and whiskey, then, you know, we're not for you. <laughs> like, keep, it, keep it simple. <laughs> I love it, man. This is really cool. So, you, um, well, so tell me about it. Y'all opened up. Did you, how did you spread the word? Prior to opening, how did you, did you use social media or word of mouth or do sort of soft and let it grow like what was your process to market the brand and get people coming in well um we we didn't um we didn't have an advertising budget or anything um it it was really just word of mouth um initially like you said uh earlier with the the location we have here is pretty incredible um it's you know a lot of people see it every day you know and um so um I think people saw the progress of the, the building, you know, and the construction and with kind of social media presence, you know, in a, in a small way, um, we generated some excitement. Um, plus Mike and I, uh, been in the restaurant business in Raleigh for, you know, for a long time. So we knew a lot of the folks in the industry, uh, who were there to support us and help spread the word as well. So, gotcha. So we were real, real happy with, with, uh, yeah, we got a lot of good feedback right off the bat. Um, and you know, um, Mike's, uh, injury, his accident, um, uh, you know, got people's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of the support we got initially was, uh, you know, due to people in the community coming out to support us yeah. in support of him. Yeah. One of the things that always fascinating to me is there's, there's concepts and there's brands that can do a really good job of using marketing and branding to get people in the door or there's a story that people resonate with whatever the case may be there's that part of it and then there's keeping people coming back which is you got to deliver you know you yeah. can get people to come in because if they hurt whatever or something. 
But to keep them coming back, you really have to execute, which is the really tricky part of this business. Yeah, it's it's the most tricky part. You know, every day, every you're day, putting on this performance. Of, that's a that's a, a great way to put it. I, I I say to I say to the team every day that this is we're in show business. Yes, and that we that's right. We put on a show every day for our customers, and that is you know just the best hospitality you know we can, and to wow them with that. And um, um, I, I like to believe we we accomplish that here. Um, the, the team of managers that we have uh, are are uh, an incredible group of people. Um, um, all of them at this point. Well, our general manager, our assistant general manager, bar manager, executive chef, have all been with us since day one. Um, really? Yeah, and, and it's because I think we, you know, we all share in the same, you know, values of, you know, genuinely caring about uh, good hospitality and, and what that does for our guests. What does that mean to you? What does good hospitality mean? Break it down a little bit. You, you know, uh, I. I I would say the hospitality to me is um, knowing that uh, all needs are met. Okay. Um, in a in a in a genuine, smart, you know, uh, way, right? In in that um, the people that are providing the hospitality and providing the environment are doing so uh, because they enjoy doing it yes and and, um, and that that is what you know has been important to us is finding the people that actually do enjoy providing good hospitality and they're not here just you know for busy Saturday night tips you know boy that is the secret sauce isn't it I mean you absolutely I had a buddy tell me just yesterday that he went to a uh, business lunch and the meal wasn't good. Like the food kind of sucked. Yeah. He's like, I don't even remember the last time I had a bad food experience at a restaurant. I feel like, you know, for a restaurant to survive, you've got to get the food right and consistent and have just good food. Like people can't eat it and be like, this just kind of sucks. Yeah. There, the interaction with the, your team and that aspect of hospitality and feeling welcome and did that interaction is genuine and authentic and real that's that's it man if you can get that and that's not easy to do but if you can find like you said those people boy that's such a really big differentiator yeah i think you know um you know we always say that um you know we can be forgiven uh for lots of mistakes, yeah. If we're if we just have a good connection with our guests, right? And a good relationship with them, and when they understand that our only objective is to show them a good time, yeah. and a good experience, then if we should slip up in, in any way, and, and maybe the, the the dinner isn't quite as good on one day, um, which I I. I I don't believe happens here, but, uh, you know, they're, they're well, more there's always those things. That, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This was more the experience, like the food kind of sucked and they didn't seem to care. It was the whole, you know, it was just like, really? Sure. Everybody had bad food. It was really, really surprising. It was, he told me only for the fact that that's so rare these days. The, yeah. the, the flip side of that is we went out, I won't mention the name of the place uh, in Charlotte, but we went to this place that's 
gotten some, you know, press and the chef's well-known and the food is um, supposed to be just amazing. And it, and it is, but gosh, bless, the, the service was a little haughty. It was like, we know we're this badass place and kind of felt stupid if you didn't really understand, like, the wine list real well or whatever and sure it's like we're not going back there yeah the food was good but but the way we felt was not welcome it was like it was almost like patronizing you know what that's done never going again right who cares how good the food yeah you know you know having good service and 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 you know good food and beverages um you know that's the it's the minimum to to you know to entry in the restaurant business um, yeah, uh, you know, if you don't have good service, you don't have good food. Um, everyone will know pretty quickly. Yeah, because that's what that's what people talk about. Yep. You know, feel like a lot of times controlling, placing controls and systems and processes into, you know, creating the food, taking the menu and and creating the dish. Is that slightly easier to manage that process than you know the process in the front of the house here of I mean you're in front of the guest you've got a person who has to be engaging thoughtful listening that's there's a lot of variables there to me and I've never owned a restaurant that seems to me just intuitively that part of it is a little more nuanced and maybe harder to manage is that True. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right, um, um, which is why uh, the people that we bring on and, and work with us are the most critical uh, yeah. to you know um, ensuring that things that we communicate to them, our values and our um, um, principles are you know are accomplished, and, and that they really. They really deliver that every time because we can't anticipate uh, every interaction with every guest. We, yeah. have to, we have to rely on our people to have good judgment. And in certain situations, um, you know, they, they handle guests in whatever way they need to be handled. And that's, that's up to them on the spot. And like I said, you know, we, we, we've hired a, a great team of people. And, and we have many of our, our servers and bartenders have been with us since day one. So we're real, real proud of that. Who are some of the people that have been here since day one, by well, name? I've got uh, Johnny Berry okay. um, behind the bar. He's our bar manager. Okay. Um, and he's, um, you know, he's, he's, he's been in the business for a long time. We were real lucky uh, to have met and to have uh, synced up. And so he came on a couple months before uh, we opened up and um, has really led an incredible bar program. And dude, dude must know his whiskey. He does know his whiskey. He does know his whiskey. Yeah. Um, and uh, my uh, assistant general manager, Aaron Lambert, um, is is kind of our, our in-house whiskey uh, guru. Okay. Um, he's been with us since day one. Our general manager, Joanna Newman, has been with us since day one. Our Justin Skinner uh, is a server that's been with us since day one. Um, yeah, we, we've got a, a great, great team of people. Okay. So those four and the others have been here uh, since day one, three years. That sort of tenure in a place like this says a lot about what you're doing, especially 
when you've got you know your sort of your management team, but even down to a server that's been here. What are the things that you purposely are doing to try to foster the relationship with them so that they will continue to, to be here? What, what's kept them here and, and you know, what have well, you done we, so successfully? My experience with uh, Flying Saucer uh, is really what kind of drives the way that I want to um, operate Whiskey Kitchen and, okay. and as an owner um, because you know I, I had worked in a number of restaurants before uh, starting Flying Saucer and um, you know they were kind of pretty typical uh, you know bad work environment type uh, experiences and, yeah. and um, it wasn't until I started with Flying Saucer that uh, I realized that you know it, uh, that was the way the way that I was being treated there as an employee, uh, you know, which I quickly realized was the way that it could be and it should be done. And right. That, you know, I was, I, I, they, you know, they, they worked real hard to ensure that we had a good, you know, work-life balance and that uh, we were taken care of in, in yeah. you know, in, in, you know. These are the, the owners and management team at Flying Saucer? Yeah, the owners, um, the, the company's based out of Dallas and, okay. um and they, you know, it's it's a privately held company, but they had twenty some odd locations, Flying Saucer, and a couple other high end type okay. um, restaurants in the Texas area. Um, okay. And so it was a fairly large company, uh, but it was all kind of, you know, uh, private and in house. We, I'd go down to Dallas once I became a manager. I'd go down to Dallas once once a month. Okay. Uh, for meetings, and uh, you know, I just learned so much from those guys on, on yeah. how to how to just operate with integrity and how to just, you know, be, um, be good to people that, you know, um, do good stuff for, for the company, um, and for employees. And so, uh, you know, Mike and I decided, you know, uh, immediately, you know, that, you know, the first day that we started really talking about the concept was we're going to be an employee's first, uh, type of operation. And so, um, you know, the things that we do are all, you know, we ask ourselves, you know, how does this affect our employees? And, yeah. and um, we do our best to make sure that it only, uh, you know, enhances their experience here and um, in whatever decision we, we kind of come across. Um, but, you know, we like to believe that, you know, we, we give a good work-life balance and we... Um, not easy to do in this industry. It, yeah, not, not, not too easy, uh, you know, especially we stay up until 2 o'clock in the yeah, morning, yeah. you know. And, and I mean, congrats. That's, that's, that, that is hard to do, so... Yeah. If you're able to pull that off, yeah, we're it's yeah, probably very meaningful well, for Well, thank you. Yeah, um, I think the thing we're most proud of, though, is you know we we pretty quickly tried to um, uh, pretty quickly got health insurance in, in place. Um, okay. When when stuff was still a little tight at opening, but yeah. uh, we were real proud to to kind of you know ensure that that was done. For it's a big investment. Stuff. Yeah. 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 So when you left Flying Saucer, did they? I think I'm going to guess at the answer to this, but did they celebrate your opportunity? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I um, once I gave them notice um, yeah. that I was doing this, uh, I, I went down to Dallas one last time for for a meeting, and um, you know they had a you know uh, a little celebration, you know, with some whiskeys to pass around to everyone, and nice. they, they wished me the best of luck. And I've been, you know, I've been, I've called. 
and spoken with uh, the owner there, Shannon Wynn, and, oh. and um, their director of operations, Larry Richardson and Keith Schlabs. Those those guys are, uh, you know, still available to me. They, they say that's awesome. And, yeah. So, well, that's why I asked that question because I kind of assumed that was the case. I mean, that's the, which is I'm assuming that's the view you take too. That's really a long view of investing in somebody, helping them be successful within your organization. And then if they go off and do something, you you want them to be successful and you want them to continue to communicate with you. And I would imagine if Aaron or Johnny or one of them comes to you one day and says, hey, man, I got this idea. I'm going to go start my own thing. You're probably like, damn, that sucks. I don't want to lose you. But, dude, I'll be your first customer, you know. Yeah, yeah, I you know I think that's uh, that's the best way to build you know good long term relationships with people and you know if someone has a you know good opportunity uh, elsewhere you know I how can I be upset yeah you know for them wanting to yeah do something uh, you know bigger better yeah for sure for sure well how can I be yeah but see that's the that's natural to you and you learn that some there maybe too and but that's a that's a Dude, that's a mentality that not all restaurant owners have. But I do find that the ones that are successful long-term and keep getting it right, that is the mentality they have. It's a, yeah. it's sort of this karma or whatever you want to call it, but it's, it's thinking about the bigger picture than just, yeah. you know. Well, I worked for, I worked for restaurant owners that, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't share the, the same, right. you know, vibe and, um, you know, and that's why you weren't there 15 years, and then you found Flying Saucer, and yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's why that's why I do what I do because I, you know, I remember being, uh, you know, being kicked around, and you know, um, uh, restaurant owners, you know, not, you know, not not giving you your paycheck, you know, because you know you called in sick or something, yeah. Um, so you know, I, you know, I vowed not to do that. Golly, yeah, that's that's wild. Um. What's been, in, in, in the three years you've been open, have there been any things that have surprised you that maybe you didn't plan for, or maybe it's the way you, you know, emotionally have managed being an owner and responsible for so many things, investors and employees, and I mean, it's a big weight. Yeah, yeah, I... I um, you know what, what? What surprised me initially um, was that um, how do I put this? It, it the people that we hired and the team that we hired to open this place up, the passion that they gave to the whole project and to the whole um, the whole endeavor, and uh, in, in the sense of ownership that they kind of took yeah. had from it was was the biggest surprise to me was I, I I'm not sure uh, I guess how to describe what I felt about it it was more that well this was my baby until I you know it was until I had to bring people on to right help to, to bring on sure. place. and when they took ownership of it it was it was an interesting feeling because it, it, you know it was it was mine and Mike's uh, only until they took the ownership, and, um, and it was just an interesting feeling to to share uh, with 
other people that, that sense of ownership and that passion for what we were doing. Um, it was an incredible thing. Well, you enabled that, clearly, and you fostered that. You gave them the opportunity. People, people you know, good people typically want to have that autonomy and to be able to take ownership and not feel like they're micromanaged, not feel like it's a top-down organization, but more of a, you know, bottom-up or, you know, we're all kind of working on the same team. Yeah, I like to believe that's a, a big part of our success. Here, sure, absolutely. That, uh, you know, um, we operate like that, you know, and I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's all inspired by other great, you know, operators that I've had the chance to, to see and to read about and to who uh, else work for. outside of flying like who, who else has inspired you or that well, maybe think, you've read they're setting the table or something or yeah you know i mean i think anyone that's uh that's read any of danny meyer stuff or or you know listen to him at all speak uh can't help but be inspired yeah you know to just run a better business um, yeah he's amazing yeah he's absolutely amazing i can't t- almost everybody on this podcast is, is like yeah that i've interviewed they're all successful too, and there's no, and then they've all read set in the table. It seems like, or you know, been dialed into his stuff. Uh, who else? Who who else locally? Well, you know, um, uh, to see uh, guys that I came up with uh, bartending, you know, like uh, you know, that have gone on to open their own places. Of you know, it's really been impressive. Like Chris Powers uh, and love Woody over yeah, love at Trophy. Guys. You know, fantastic dudes. Yeah, very very cool guys. Um, I. I been you know uh really thrilled at the, all their success they had you know a huge hit with busy b and then uh and then of course a you know wild success with trophy yeah and um so i'm happy to see that those guys are doing really good um, fundamentally good dudes down to earth yeah. humble let their team have an i mean same yeah same approach i gotta tell you you know i uh uh you know we have a, a a few of our, our key people um, are from that organization. So, um, you know, it's a testament to what they do over there. Yeah, and, and the absolutely. They, they were able to find. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, Niall Hanley, who's a, 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 big, yeah. a big shark in town. He's, sure. You know, he, he does big things. Uh, I remember I remember talking with him when he owned just the one Hibernian on Glenwood Avenue. And yeah. I was there speaking with him after work late one night, and he was he was sharing some of his wisdom with me. So he's, you know, to see him really do a lot of big things uh, has been incredible. He really has. They're a, they're a customer too. I think they've got it's like eight or nine locations now or something. They're build, he's doing a beer garden in Charlotte. Oh, um, really? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah, all, all big stuff. And then, you know, of course, you know, you see the rise of the uh, the. Local uh, celebrity chefs and um, God. with Ashley Christensen and, and Scott Crawford and, and those guys, Cheedy and Cheedy, right over here, right? Yeah, Cheedy. right up the yeah. street. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, so they're, they're all very inspiring, and it all, you know, it, you know, all the local guys that, like I said, that I, I kind of came up with that were bartending with yeah. me at other places around the same time, and um, you know, it's. You know, it's it's great to see their success, and you know, I just I want to I want to join the community. Is you know, is uh, of of great. You know, well, uh, you have brother. I mean, you really have. You're well respected uh, around here by a lot of people, and I got to tell you, man, Raleigh's like there's just something going on here with <laughs> the culinary scene. I in your 
the culture here seems to be one of partnership, celebrating each other's success, wanting every like rising tide lifts all boats. It, it's not yeah. a cutthroat. Like I find, I'm in Charlotte. Charlotte seems to be a little bit more cutthroat. Sure. Um, I, I'm not denigrating. I mean, we have a lot of great restaurant people there, and there's a lot of partnership and collaboration there. But just generally speaking, I don't find as many folks that are you know kind of doing things together or what i don't know raleigh just sure. seems to well you know um I, you know raleigh's a, a great size i think it, you know yeah that's probably a big grow, part of it that's right uh, i think there's a, a, a yeah. lot of that um good point it good becomes point. a little a little more cutthroat but yeah raleigh's a great size and you know the downtown area here is is um again not not large you know yeah. so we're, we're we're in close proximity to a lot of our you know what one might call competition but uh we really you know enjoy having more and more establishments around us because it, it's good yeah it's good gets for, people here it gets people here and yeah and keeps people excited for good food and beverage yeah i mean you, you absolutely the more good places around the more people are yeah word of mouth spreads more people are coming down here and the tougher it gets to find good 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 uh staff though i'll tell you you know oh i bet yeah, the competition for good people is um, is, is tough. But. Probably intense. Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, yes. The more the more the merrier, in my opinion. Is that? Do you? Uh, is it harder now? It seems to be something that everybody brings up. It's always the you know competition for. I mean, everywhere, not just raw, like everywhere. Yeah. Is it harder to find people now than it was? I mean, you've been doing this a long time. You know. Yeah, twenty I think, years ago. Or? Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I think I think I've been saying it's been hard. You know, it's hard to find people now for twenty years. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, funny. I'm not sure it's any worse than it was before, but uh, but yeah, it, it, it seems that way at least. Okay, you know why? I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Is it that you 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 don't have enough interest, or is it that just you find a lot of people that just aren't going to make the cut? Like maybe they want to work, but they don't have the hospitality mindset I think it's wired. an even balance okay. uh, you know we, we get we don't get as many applications um, uh, you know here as, as I, I used to get while I was the GM of uh, Flying Saucer you know we would get you know five to ten applications a week I'd say um, and we probably get two a week uh, here and to find someone out of you know that few people coming in that's really you know, going to work well with us uh, and be successful here um, is tough. What do you look for in a, on an application? What are the highlights that you find that you say, okay, at least on paper, I'm interested? Well, we um, we ask on our application a couple of uh, telling questions, uh, I think, um, and that is, you know, what's um, what's your favorite restaurant in town? Um, and how would you describe your uh, um, your most recent manager, your most recent boss? Uh, Interesting. And that tells us a lot. Okay. On paper. Um, but but otherwise, we're we we generally don't require um, experience uh, for anyone to come in at, at the ground level with us. Yeah. Um, because we like to you know we like to train folks to do the things that you know uh, that are unique to us and the, the way that we like to approach things um, so it's previous experience isn't isn't necessary um, it's more when we when we meet someone 
um, and they have a smile on their face. Yeah, and they have, you know, in, in general, a good mm-hmm. uh, attitude and um, kind of have energy for positive energy, positive energy. And, yeah, um, and have a passion for you know uh, culinary arts and, and service and hospitality. And if we if we recognize uh, even a, even a bit of that, um, we we like to think that we found someone good. Love it. Um, you know. One thing that's been on my mind lately, I'm curious, this has really been stirring around, and I've talked to a couple other people uh, recently on the podcast about this, but I really believe that independent restaurants are such a valuable gift to the community that they're in. The reason for that is, like I look around here, I mean, this is a great example. You've got these big tables and um, close proximity, this awesome looking bar. This is where you could come and meet not just your friends, but other people. It's, it's like the one place where you can go and there is a highly, highly diverse set of people around you. You don't get that really anywhere else. And particularly in today's world where there's so much negative dialogue on social media and online and people are on screens all the time and you know you can text or tweet or post negative stuff easily with your thumbs and your little screen but when you're around other people and you're doing what you and I are doing and you're, you're having a dialogue you find a lot more common ground a lot of times so there, where there may be a, like a, a racial divide or a socioeconomic divide or you know anything like that it breaks down pretty quickly in person because all people are basically not that you know we live in you know we want validation and we want people to care about what we think but that stuff gets broken down a lot more and i feel like it's the only place you can go now like the more we're dialed into our screens um the more negative stuff the media is always portraying and everything that here's one damn place you can go there's not that stuff and you can actually meet other people we did this last night my buddies and I were at Trophy and we took a picture and we didn't know the, I didn't know until this morning why they were laughing at us but this little girl there was a family and their daughter photobombed us and they were laughing we thought they were laughing at us because we were goofballs and whatever we started talking to them we never met them talked to them for 20 minutes sure know? sure well, that was a big part of uh, the design of this place, as a matter of you fact. You nailed it, dude. Is, uh, yeah. We, we, we didn't want any walls. Yep. Um, it's, it's a little loud in here, as you might be able to tell, uh, b- um, because the kitchen is wide open. Yeah. Uh, and we had, to, we had to go back to the architect several times and, and say, you know, hey, we said no walls. you got to lose this wall, please. You yeah. Know, let's figure out how to do that. Yeah. Um, and awesome. yeah, so it's, it's, it's just one big, one big room. Um, and you know, the idea of socializing, um, with really great food in a great environment, uh, was a big part of what we hope to accomplish. Great food, great drinks, great environment, great friends, great people. I yeah. Mean, the thought was that there, 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 there were great restaurants, but restaurants aren't good for socializing yes and then there are great bars uh, yep. but bars are aren't too great with the food yes uh, generally we hope to accomplish a, 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 a 
you know, a, a fusion of the two. My friend, that's exactly what, I mean, once again, I haven't experienced your, your hundreds of bottles of whiskey that I see there, which looks freaking <laughs> badass, or your food, but certainly that when you come in here, you, it just feels like a good gathering spot, like a place you'd want to hang. And I bet there's a lot of conversations that happen here with people that have never met and come oh, from yeah. different walks of life. And you just don't get that anywhere anymore. I, I, you know, I really don't think so. I think it, my point is like, I think this experience, you got particularly independent restaurants yeah. have the opportunity to create something unique in the, because y'all give a, you give a lot back to the community. You volunteer, you do a host events. There's so many things an independent restaurant that can, can do that I really think is a gift to that community. And people, some people realize it, some people it's conscious, some people subconsciously, but the, the more, uh, vitriol you see out there the more bifurcated we get politically and all that like a place like this is like the one place you can go and just feel at home around all these other people that probably nowhere else in your life are you going to be around yeah yeah we get a we get a great great diverse crowd of, of people um we you know um on a, you know busy night here uh it's it's a lot of fun to to stand and just kind of uh, observe you know, observe the room and yeah. people. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 good vibe. All right, let me ask you this: We've been going about a, an hour, fifty minutes. Are you? Do you need to roll, or do you have like? That's more time. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I'm going to pause this. My parking has expired. Y'all got one hour parking. Oh right yeah. There. I don't want to get a ticket. Sure. I'm going to run, put another uh, dollar in there, and then. Uh, do you want to uh, you want to have a little whiskey and talk about whiskey? Sure, I'll uh, I'll grab us a couple of samples. Perfect. All right. Perfect. All right. Cool. All right, folks. We're gonna pause. We'll be right back. All right, we're back, folks. Parking is taken care of, and we got something in front of us. What do we got here? So we've got um, uh, Copper Fox uh, Peachwood Single Malt, Ooh. which we have uh, had on order since uh, March and just got back in today. So really? we figured we'd. Uh, We'd share a little and uh, have a sip. It's it's incredible stuff. Cheers. Yes. Oh Cheers. man, tell me about it. Well, it's um. Oh, good grief! It's incredible. Where does this come from? I've never heard of Copper Fox. I mean, dude. Yeah, it's out of Virginia. Um, wow. And so yeah, it's a it's a an American single malt, which uh, at this point is not a legal uh, category uh, of whiskey. But um, smoky, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty. It's pretty. Dude, this great. is freaking good. Yeah, the um, it's a single malt. They add um, they add charred uh, pieces of uh, peach wood in straight into the barrel, um, which I think. What is peach kind of, wood? It's wood from peach tree. Peach. Okay. Uh, yeah. Duh. And, uh, peach wood. Peach tree wood. And they char it and they put it right in the barrel. I'm I'm not real familiar with the with the full process uh, of how long they leave it in there or anything along those lines. But uh, what's what's really stands out about this is how it is. Um, it's, it's scotch like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. With you know, and without the peat uh, characteristic of it, uh, but the, the 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 single malt. Yeah, um, uh, aspect of it is, is is great, and the fact that they kind of play around with the peach wood and mm-hmm. with the with the different ways of aging it um, really make it a, a complex uh, uh, 
sipping whiskey. It's 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 pretty bold. Where where are they in Virginia? Do you yeah, know? I'm not sure. I'm not can sure. You, can exactly you go where. to the distillery? I I think I think you can actually. Sounds yeah. like a freaking place to visit, man. <laughs> yeah, Virginia's, Virginia's awesome as it of, is, uh, and uh, I would imagine if it's a, it's probably in the foothills of the mountains or somewhere up there. I bet it's beautiful. Mm. Oh, this is really somewhere good. with good water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's fantastic. You mentioned. Uh, Hold on, I'll pull this up because I was listening to you on that other podcast. You mentioned a couple of kinds I'm not familiar with. I want to ask you about. Uh, let's see here. Oh, well, you mentioned I.W. Harper, 15 year. Was that you that? Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I like. Uh, that's a bourbon, right? It's a bourbon. Yeah. Yep, out of Kentucky. Hmm. So that's good. I need to try some of that. That is. That's incredibly good. I'm gonna yes. try some of that. And you all were talking about red breast. Uh, from Ireland, yeah, uh, that's uh, uh, Aaron Lambert, our uh, AGM here. He he loves he likes red breast. He loves red breast. He's really um, really big into the Irish whiskeys. And then and one more is Little Book, which is like the Booker's grandson or something like that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not real familiar with the story behind that, but yeah, it's a it's a Booker's product. Um, okay, and uh, it's that's a it's a great one. It's high ABV and. Yeah, it and sounded like it. Flavor, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, man. I just, yeah, those are, every, every time I hear somebody that knows what they're talking about, mention when I have this little list I keep. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I look for them. Some of these things are really hard to find. Um, but <laughs> well, part, Partly because uh, uh, Johnny is so good at going he, out and scooping up what, he, <laughs> whatever he He procures them all. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting system here in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, was it like the three-tier system or whatever? Or is yeah, the the um, the three-tier system I think was established on a federal level, um, uh-huh. um, but what North Carolina took spirits uh, to the next level what? of state control. State control, yeah. And okay. So it's like we have the ABC stores here, and you you yeah. have to buy through. We have to buy through, through the them. ABC uh, yeah. stores, which is um, uh, you know I, it's an difficult system to deal with it's you know um there's not like there's some lucky timing sometimes didn't there i mean you you yeah luckily uh our local abc board um is real good about working with with um with us and other restaurants uh when we have special requests or we want to go in on a case of something with another restaurant they're always okay kind of be flexible with us but um, you know, it does make it it does make it kind of difficult. We don't get all of the things even coming into the state, all of the good good product. Uh, yeah, that doesn't even make it into the state because um, a lot of times manufacturers or distributors are not really interested in dealing with the hassle of uh, the state control system. You yeah, know, everything having to go through the Raleigh um, warehouse and you know. Um, then be shipped off to the local ABC boards, and just the process of it all is, is pretty cumbersome. Do you think it'll change? I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, is there, I, yeah, is there a lot? I mean, I'm sure there's got to be some momentum behind that, but what, what would enable that to change? That's a good question. <laughs> I, know, um, I know that recently a, a, a bill was passed uh, to, um, and signed into law that uh, eases up. Uh, on some of the things that made it makes it difficult currently to deal with the, the ABC, um, okay, things such as ordering special products 
whereas in the past we'd have to order full cases, which okay. a lot of places aren't able to do with special product that tends to cost a lot yeah. uh, per bottle. Um, uh, you know, and uh, other restrictions as far as transportation and, and of the product and so forth is has been lifted uh, somewhat. Okay. Um, and I know that the you know the folks at the North Carolina Restaurant Lodging Association are uh, working towards mm. uh, getting you know getting even more of those restrictions lifted, and hopefully, uh, you know, I, I I would like to see it uh, put into you know the whole the whole system be put into private hands but uh, yeah yeah it's slow slow going with anything like <laughs> maybe that. one day i don't yeah. know once the government has control or something like that it gets tough to unwind um yeah what uh do you have a what do you like bourbon or scotch or what's what well, are you I, into I, I i love bourbon bourbon is what uh got me interested in whiskey yeah. um but um I, I, you know, I, I, I initially thought rye's for me were a little too spicy uh, on the palate when I was younger and didn't have much of a, a palate for it. Uh, but I, I started drinking rye's, got really yeah. uh, uh, into rye's for a while, and um, and now with scotch, I'm starting to learn more about scotch and learn what I like. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, you know, I've got I've got a good selection in my hands every day, so I get to you know sip and, and experiment. Uh, with everything pretty regularly yeah yeah that scotch stuff that stuff from the eat island ele uh-huh. yeah. like brooklotti and oh uh, yeah ardberg and it's like it's got that real peaty briny like i couldn't have, yeah there's no mistake in it no there's no mistake in it. i couldn't have even thought about having that years ago when i was really first getting into bourbon yeah. uh and then kind of expanded but but now like some of that stuff i can really appreciate yeah, it's just I guess I don't know, man. I'm getting old. Like I like I like to take sure. things slow now. So like <laughs> you could sit and just sip on that for like a long time and just oh yeah, just kind of chill and it'll put a little hair on your chest and <laughs> uh, but that's good. That's good stuff. Uh, this is fantastic. This is really good. Do you um, do you partake pretty often or do you? Oh, I yeah, I I, I do enjoy a, a, a whiskey. Um, Daily, I'd say. <laughs> nice, least, dude. If I'm here and uh, Heck yeah. uh, and I and I think that uh, you know I could take it down a notch and quit working for a minute, I'll have a sip out on the patio. On this note, um, it just made me think of something. There is uh, this industry has for forever. You know, there's been this issue with drugs and alcohol and all this stuff, and there seems Work to be hard, play hard. Work hard, play hard. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of Ben's Friends? Oh, yeah. Okay. You know yeah, Steve? Yeah, it's a great, great organization. Yeah. yeah. He's one of our customers, and he's going to be on the podcast soon. We're working out the schedule. But I guess I saw this. Um, it was like a TEDx speech that he gave. And he had these words up on the screen. It was like addict, loser, failure, jail, blah, you know, all these negative words. And then he had another screen. It was like successful entrepreneur business owner all these really positive things and of course he said both of those screens were me like you know they all describe different phases of my life or whatever and i guess he's sober now and has done that but i think it's really cool what they're doing for the industry because it's been such a big you know 
negative mark for the industry and it's neat to see people you know really recognizing that and trying to sure. foster that sort of personal growth with with sure. people in the industry yeah and i i i think it's um um whatever you know efforts are made in just as a whole in this industry to to help address those issues is you know, it was important. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it was cause he had like several friends pass from overdose and I think yeah. he, Ben was a chef that was a friend that yeah. OD'd or I believe that's the story. And yeah. I think he committed suicide. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, we, we do our part in a way I'd like to believe that, you know, creating a, a good work environment for our folks so that, there isn't, um, there isn't, uh, I don't know, pressure to, you know, uh, in where they're, we're asking so much of them that they then in order to, to release, to release the, the pressure, pressure. Uh, yeah. that yep. they turn to, turn to, you know, substances. And, um, well, that's the balance you talked about. Yeah. I like to I think mean, it, it, it kind of spreads throughout someone's, someone's the life and you know, yeah. their experience so um well you can you can look man i'm not like i like whiskey i like beer but i don't go to an extreme with it i like to you know i like to enjoy it and if, if you can find that balance and foster that it's a good i mean this is a good thing to have in your life like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly, good to yeah. sit down and you know take a whole handle and knock it back over to, over over a few hours but yeah god daily dose of this is like a little medicine man it's freaking good stuff that's what i like to probably frankly good for you i mean yeah because no matter what in this business there's tons of but in any business if you're you know have any sort of level of success it means you're probably working pretty damn hard probably have a lot of weight on you a lot of pressure you're supporting a fan whatever it is like oh man a little bit of this every day is like yeah helps helps. yeah everything's about balance i'm i'm down with it man all right well um what's uh what do you what's going on in the world of whiskey right now are there you know we were talking a little bit earlier about japanese whiskey and stuff like that which what do you see in i don't know emerging trends or brands or things that well i uh, uh as i pointed out the the one we're drinking here this copper fox uh, peachwood is um an american single malt yeah uh, and like i said it, it's it's not a legal category of of whiskey in the united states okay uh, yet Okay. Um, what does that mean, and how are they? What What do you mean? It's not illegal. So, uh, the, um, the per the uh, laws of per the laws of the United States, the the, the um, spirits that are recognized um, are um, bourbon, uh, straight whiskey, straight corn whiskey, okay, uh, rye okay. whiskey, okay, you know, straight rye whiskey. So it's not recognized. Single malt is not American single not malt yeah. is not a recognized category within the world of whiskey correct okay um but uh as you know legally speaking mm-hmm. uh, in in the world of whiskey i think it, it is it's becoming a style of um whiskey that distillers are doing more often now and are having a lot of uh, fun with um uh, you know it's it's the, some of the really interesting flavors that they're able to uh, produce uh, out of some of the stuff that we're starting to see is really incredible and exciting. I think that's, um, you know, uh, it's starting to, um, you know, take the traditional single malt, uh, scotch single malt, uh, and 
you know, because it doesn't have any rules or laws around it is what make, makes it so much uh, fun for distillers to, to experiment with. What does that mean, single malt, for those that are... So, uh, in Scotland, there's a very, very strict, clear definition that a single malt essentially must... Um, the, the grain and the, you know, um, and the distilling need to come from the same place. Okay. Um, among other um, uh, rules. Um, in, in the United States, it, it's, again, there is no legal uh, definition for it. So, okay. uh, really, it's just uh, that... Uh, uh, only malted barley is used as the grain okay. in the in the spirit. Okay. Only malted point. barley is used as a grain in the spirit. Okay. Got it. Got it. I love learning about this stuff, man. It's oh, yeah. I could geek out on this forever. Like it's really fascinating. It's um, it's complex. There's 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 all sorts of all sorts of you know uh, ways in which distillers over the years have have experimented and come up with you know these new techniques and new ways of manipulating the grains yeah you know, the mash bills that they put together and you know i mean you know the all of the little nuances in in the production of any spirit can you know really be affected by the smallest things yes and, and then have really big results uh you know at, at the end which is what makes it so exciting for me freaking awesome man it's like this cool marriage of art and science the creativity of what they're doing and, and you know the ingredients they're using and then the science of like the chemistry of getting it right and creating something and that then you getting can it replicate right over and over again. over and over and making <laughs> yeah. it replicatable yes exactly and being able to scale it yeah that's really cool yeah that whole process is just fascinating yeah. i mean you sit down and you drink this like if you don't really know what's behind it you have a one level of appreciation like, oh, this tastes good and makes me feel good. But then when you really understand what goes into it, it's, it just makes you appreciate each sip and just, yeah. you know, uh, you start to really understand like the flavor profile and why, what's gone into that. And it's, I just think that shit's badass. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm still, I'm educated. I'm learning all the time. That's, I, I'm constantly trying to learn about this stuff and, um, try different things and um well that's what we're you know that's part of what why why we open this place is you know i i i wasn't uh i am not a whiskey expert yeah um, but i i love whiskey and the, the people that we have here uh working here love whiskey and so yeah. we're all we're all consuming knowledge as you know about the product and about new products yeah um all the time and then being able to you know uh you, train our customers on that yes teach our customers and um uh, get people excited about it uh helps us to you know kind of ensure that um the whole whiskey craft whiskey uh thing continues and people are excited about it absolutely man absolutely um oh man this is really good so i've taken enough of your time i really appreciate this this has been a lot of fun I've learned a lot about oh, well. business and about whiskey. <laughs> um, and I have not had a, a calorie of food today. So what I want to do now is we're going to wrap this up. I want to go uh, dive into some of your, the other half of your business, the kitchen part, and have, oh, yeah. have a good meal. Absolutely, yes. We'll, uh, we'll whip you up something good. All right, man. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate Thank you. it very Thank much. You. Yeah. Happy to do it. Yeah. Enjoyed it a lot.
Cheers. All right. Cheers. Absolutely. All right, y'all. That's a wrap. We'll have another one soon. See you.